What happens when two former political staffers, one Labour and one Tory, meet? And become surprisingly good friends. Introducing the After Party Podcast. A comedy podcast about ideas, politics and truthfully an unlikely friendship. With me, Sarah Southern. And me, Chloe Green. Hello and welcome to the After Party Podcast with me, Sarah Southern. And me, Chloe Green. Hello. How are you, Chloe? I'm so well, Sarah. I've had a very funny week because... Um, my girlfriend recently got a pair of glasses for the first mm-hmm. time in her life. And then uh, I was like, ooh, let me try them on, let me try them on. And then I tried them on and they radically enhanced my vision. <laughs> so then I realised, ah, fuck, probably I should get my eyes tested then, I guess. So this week I got my eyes tested and lo and behold, the optician was like, I'm going to give you a moderate prescription, not a mild one, a moderate one. You probably should have been wearing glasses for some time. So there's me, you know, just living my life moderately blind. Well, I've worn glasses since I was about 17 because I remember driving somewhere with my mum one day and she was like, oh my God, watch that car, watch that car. And I was like, it's on the other side of the road. She was like, no, it's not. And that's how bad my vision was. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it wasn't even, like, short or long-sighted. You just, you were, like, cross-eyed or some well, shit. No, because, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but if it's dark and you're driving, it's because of the lights. It's very difficult. If you haven't got great vision, it's difficult to work out when. Mm. And I couldn't see the road signs. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, quite an important part of driving. Yeah. So, suffice to say, I've worn glasses for quite a long while, but I predominantly wear contact lenses. Mm. But strangely, I do have my specs on today, so we're a pair of specs wearers yeah. today. It's a funny it's a funny thing, because I thought that, like, as soon as I put the glasses on, it would be like, what happened with Louise, with hers, where I would be like, wow, yeah, my vision is so much better. This is like, everything's been, like, turned up to, like, HD kind of thing. <laughs> but I honestly feel like I'm walking on the fucking moon. Like, my peripheral vision is gone. I feel really, like, spacey and, like, I'm a, a bit at sea, you know? Like... Everything's a little bit off. I think maybe go back to the opticians. I don't think that's how you're meant to feel. Well, apparently it's normal to have this for the first few days that you wear them because it is like looking at the world in a totally different way. So apparently this is normal. Now, have you seen videos of people who are colourblind and get given these glasses that make them not be colourblind anymore? No. OMG. Oh, Literally cool. the most heartwarming videos that you'll see on the internet. They're quite expensive, these glasses. Often people get given them for like a birthday or a graduation present, whatever it is. Mm. And then they, their friends have like done it in a way that they're going to be filmed and then they open them and then they put glasses on and then everybody cries. Oh, it's <laughs> wonderful. I love it. I love you it. You need to talk to me about your new video obsession oh, because it seems like I've the got an addiction. Today, I've got an addiction. Sarah started talking to me about fucking TikTok. I was like, which of us is the millennial, Sarah? I am addicted. So a very good friend of mine works for TikTok and I spent New Year's Eve with her and she said, oh, you should download it on your phone. Like, it would be really good for your comedy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I've never looked at it. And then for some reason, last week, I decided to open it. And it is the stickiest app I have ever used. Because it's like 10, 15 second videos, you immediately get onto the next one. And then you want to see another. Oh, it's terrible. And they're clearly aimed at like teenagers and students. So a lot of the things are basically... 19 year olds dancing now a lot of it is terrible Mm -hmm. like really really terrible but then someone's really cool like there's these two kids who i think must live in seoul and they wear like totally black track suits white trainers black cap and then they wear like a face mask that's black and then they do this really cool Mm. dance like in a car park in front of like skyscrapers and they're totally dancing in unison and it's mesmerizing and you're like wow 
this is why I've spent the last hour scrolling just to find this one video. Oh my God. It's, I'm so addicted. Like, I think I'm going to have to delete it from my phone. Yeah. I fall into like an Instagram hole, like on the regs. So I don't know if I can, like, I love TikTok videos, but I'm really consuming TikTok via, and this is such a fucking like grandma thing, but like I'm I'm consuming TikTok via Twitter. You, you know, like people do that. But this is what's good about TikTok because you can easily share your TikTok to your Twitter and to your Insta. So they've done it in a way that it's easy to share it with the other apps. That's really interesting because cross, cross-channel, mm. cross-platform sharing is like, in, like it's, it's intentionally difficult to try to like limit the amount that people do that so that people were like more inclined to like remain in the app. I'd have to say, I've not seen anything horrible I've seen one video that was just pe- these people shouting at each other, but I think it's like because these kids were smoking in a bush <laughs> and these like people were going to dob them in or something. But I've not seen anything that I've thought, OMG, I wouldn't want my niece to see that. Mm-hmm. So I've generally just seen nice things. But these dance videos, I mean, it's all <laughs> the same music. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm triggered now if I hear any of those songs. <laughs> like, they really like Dua Lipa. Mm. Uh, and they all make funny ones about Corona. Sure. Oh, speaking of Corona, have you been... Um, have you been panic buying this week? I haven't been panic buying, right? But I have had some like panicky phone calls from my parents because they were due to go to Tenerife, right? And Tenerife has got like a very, 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 very tiny and contained outbreak of Corona, which is limited entirely to one Italian man and a hotel that he was staying in, in Tenerife and like a couple of people that he infected in that hotel and they're all on lockdown but my parents are supposed to well were going to uh, Tenerife for my dad's 70th Aww, and then they Mr Green it's literally his birthday today oh yeah. birthday daddy green seven zero the big one but yeah he uh he obviously still wanted to go on his holiday because he was like fuck this this is silly but their friends that they were supposed to be going on the holiday with pulled out because their kids had an absolute meltdown like no don't go you shouldn't be going what if you get coronavirus then my mum and dad called me up to be like what do you think of this and i was like oh fuck it go (laughs) yeah. <laughs> which was a weird one because they obviously wanted me to say that they wanted to validate their choice but I think they also thought oh does that mean that she doesn't love us as much as our friends kids love them I'm just not worried about it and maybe I should be but I just think it sounds like it's flu like a bad version of the flu which would be horrible to get mm. but you probably would survive it the amount of people who have got it is tiny like if you think what 115 people in the UK have got it out of a population of 66 million i mean how many zeros would you need after the decimal point to put that as a percentage i think the i think the thing is and i'm also like not on the kind of like jumping on the bandwagon like let's buy 10 pound bottles of hand sanny and shit like that (laughs) which is like deeply unethical that people are selling it for that price like fuck's sake um you know such like what do you call it ambulance chasers like those Mm. people anyway but i would say that um isn't great in that like apparently i've read a little bit into it like the speed at which it's picking up and the lack of knowledge that we have about like the the spread of it and how to contain it and how to prevent it is like it's so limited because we just don't have that research yet so there is that i mean like the obviously the flu kills like a lot of people globally every year but we do also have like preventative method um like we've got the flu jab and, yeah. and coronavirus can also kill people who don't necessarily have uh, the same amount of, like, prior, like, illnesses and yeah. vulnerabilities and stuff. It's interesting what Ch- China have done, um, because I was in China during the SARS epidemic in 2000 and... 
three. Yeah. I had to think what year that was there. Uh, in fact, I was in Wuhan. I went to Wuhan. Hmm. Yeah. So I kind of have a, wow. quite an affection. I had a really nice time when I was in Wuhan. So What were you uh, doing there? Just, you know, travelling. Oh, cool. I think it's called a holiday, but people call wow. it like an overseas experience or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You got beyond. I went away for about a year and a half. Just a really long holiday. When, Did you really? Yeah. That's cool. When I was, after I left uni, I spent six months working for DEFRA, mm-hmm. on the, which is the Department for Rural Affairs... Department for the Environment and Rural Affairs on the foot and mouth crisis in the northeast of England. Oh, Christ. And then I spent five weeks in the States. I travelled from New York to LA on a Greyhound bus. That's amazing. Which is phenomenal. Then I went to some South Pacific Islands, went to the Cook Islands, went to Fiji. Then I spent three months in New Zealand. Then I was in Australia for a year. And then I basically travelled all through Vietnam then basically, when I landed in Vietnam is when the first case of SARS happened. So there was some SARS in Vietnam. Shit. Then I went into China. And there was loads of SARS in China. And basically got to a point where people in China didn't want Westerners because they felt that we were um, spreading the disease. Well, you we were you the well one that been. bloody went from Vietnam to China. Yeah, but I didn't take the disease oh, patient with me. zero I wasn't here. patient zero. I promise wow. you. Uh, so th- uh, I was supposed to go to Hong Kong, but SARS was really, really bad there. So I ended up being like the closest I probably will ever be to being, uh, well, touch wood, Christ knows what might happen, to being um, a displaced citizen because I was in Shanghai for mm. 10 days and I didn't have my passport because I'd had to renew my visa. So the police took my passport. Oh, shit. And then there was a public holiday. <laughs> so I was just there. Oh. Uh, so that was quite interesting. And you had to have your temperature taken every day and all that kind of jazz. So Gosh. there was like one youth hostel that you could stay in. Uh, and then I eventually went up to, to Beijing. Being in Beijing during SARS was amazing because nobody was on the streets. So like Tiananmen Square was empty. When I went to the Great Wall of China, <laughs> nobody there. Uh, and then I took the train into Mongolia through Russia. And then I went through Scandinavia. And then I took the ferry back to Newcastle. That is absolutely wild. I did not know that about you. Quite the holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really good. Really, really good. So having like seen SARS from... Like or a disease of that nature from the, in China, mm. where they were like everything's fine, and then here everyone was losing their minds. You know, cancel all flights, etc. Mm. I was a bit like, look, everyone just calm down. Mm. It's gonna be all right. But also, long you just gone from like foot and mouth to SARS. Like, yeah, you just love a bloody <laughs> epidemic, don't you? Maybe I am patient zero. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you're I did... the ambulance chaser. <laughs> oh, perhaps oh. I did read in the smaller this morning's Mail Online. Uh, which I like to read in bed because I like to look at the pictures. Um, oh, this guy who lives in Wuhan who got coronavirus, he's a British guy living over there, mm. and he, he must be a journaler, mm. he must be a diary keeper because mm-hmm. everything was very regimented in the days. And it was really interesting to read. Of He's like, oh, I feel a bit unwell. Oh, it's got worse. Oh, crumbs, like, I think I'm actually going to die. I feel oh, so God. bad. Oh, I've got pneumonia. And then it's this really funny bit in it where I was like... They gave me some antibiotics, but I've chosen not to take them because one day I might really need some antibiotics and my body will become immune. And that's what I was really thinking. Now, 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 now is the moment. Now, it's now, pal. This is it. Yeah. If you've got toothache, take some paracetamol. But under this situation, take the antibiotics. But yeah, I think it would not be pleasant to have it. But no. touch wood, 
we'll be fine. Well, maybe when we listen back to this episode, when we're trying to kill time in the bunker (laughs) in about three months' time, we'll think of how optimistic we both were. Well, I've not stockpiled, but I did go through my Glastonbury box to pull out some tissues and some hand sanitizer. Yeah, fair play. And because hand sanitizer is obviously alcohol, some of it's evaporated, so (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit pointless. So I was like, oh, right, okay, maybe this... At this point, it's just a cucumber gel. Pretty much. I was like... Well, you've like pretended that you care, and obviously I'd reasonably stockpiled ahead of Brexit. So, oh god, I'm going to be the tinned fine. goods. I have done a slightly bigger Waitrose shop for next week than normal. So. <laughs> you wanker. Be fine. It'll be fine. But I think your mum and dad they'll have a lovely holiday in Tenerife. Their so. plane will probably be a bit quieter, so they'll say, "Oh, it was really good. We had a four to ourselves mm-hmm, win." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll be able to get whatever sun lounges they want. Be great. I, know. I think they're like they're having a very nice time. I've got a picture of my dad sunning himself today on his seventieth, um, and they're happy as Larry. So I'm glad they went because otherwise I wouldn't have heard the bloody end of it. It would have been my fault somehow that they hadn't gone. Um, I couldn't win in that situation, honestly. It's like if I say I don't care, they should go. They'll be pleased because they'll have the permission, but they'll be cross because I don't care. But if I say don't go, they'll be furious that they haven't gone. Yeah, no, they've got to go. And also, the, they'd lose all their money because it's not as though the government have said don't go. Well, exactly. And health insurers, you know, travel insurers, they're saying that you should, you should still be travelling. Yeah, unless you're travelling to bloody China, in which case. Poor Fly B have gone under this week mm. because of corona. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, speaking of this week, um, we both of us got the news like a couple of hours before we did this episode Mm. that uh, Elizabeth Warren has pulled out of the US presidential. So we have decided to talk this week about US politics. No more ladies in the race. Yeah, that is gutting, isn't it? I think like... I mean, Elizabeth Warren was most definitely my choice. Um, she was my favourite candidate out of the out of the crop, a hundred percent. I've always liked Elizabeth Warren. I think she's like spunky as all hell. She's so intellectual. She is a breath of fresh air. She is like Bernie, but very pleasant. You know, she's got very good lefty credentials, but I think she would like she'd be less divisive. She's got a broader appeal, and her support base are very pleasant usually well I was Judge all the way Pete Judge was my really? boy but he sadly stepped aside on Sunday mm. um which I can understand he knew that he wasn't going to do well in Super Tuesday as um on Tuesday just gone a huge number of states have their primaries so there was over a thousand delegates up for grabs because the way it works for the Democrats and the Republicans actually is to be selected as the candidate for president, you need to have a certain number of delegates. So when they go to the convention, whoever has the most delegates ends up being the candidate. Which is a bit like a mini version of their electoral college Mm. system in that the states are all worth a different number of points. Yeah, they're all weighted according to population and all that kind of jazz. So when you get the general election in America, it's that you know, you could win more states but still lose because if you win smaller states, they're worth less, so to speak. And the same thing is true of the sort of what they call the primary, which is like electing or selecting, sorry, the candidate. Yes, that was the first big test on Tuesday because there were a thousand plus candidates, sorry, votes, Mm -hmm. delegates, Delegates. (laughs) up for grabs, grabs, which is why my boy, Pete Buttigieg, dropped out Mm -hmm. but it took until today Mm. so several days after the 
results. Yeah. Because it was quite interesting, the results, actually, because it kind of went 50-50. As, um, Bernie Sanders won a lot. Mm-hmm. The brilliant Joe Biden won a lot. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot. I think, when's the next one? Next week, I think there's another 1,000 votes up for grabs. I mean, this process is so convoluted and it's so complicated. Like, I don't know how anyone even in the States keeps up with the process. Like, it's not a simple... I mean, I know the Labour leadership, for example, is also, like, very... Drawn out. Drawn out. We've still got another four weeks of that nonsense. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Oh, my God. Why does it take them so long to count the votes in the Labour leadership contest? Some people vote by post to make sure that, like, not everyone who doesn't have an email, etc. So there's, like, a process where the ballots go out. If the ballots haven't gone out, someone needs to reapply to get the ballot. But, of course, like, because of the post, you might give it a week before you assume that you haven't got it. So everything is just a bit drawn out because of, like, postage. But also checking, double-checking, doing electronic checks, and they want to make sure there's a wide enough window for enough people to vote. It's 800,000 odd people voting. because 800,000 people? Because it's members, but it's also oh, it's the trade union people. Member, yeah, affiliate supporters, like people who are a member of another affiliated Labour kind of society. Like Tories for Labour, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. Anyway, that would be you. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely not, but... So anyway, back to the US. So if you were living in the United States of America, Mm. firstly, which state would you be living in? Oh, great question. Really hard to say. I really love um, Seattle as a city. Ah, That's so interesting you say that. I would definitely be West Coast too. Mm, But then, I mean, New York. But also Chicago. I just love the States. I love the States so much. I think I'd live in Los Angeles because the weather is very pleasant all year round. Oh, but you've got to drive everywhere. It's all so disparate. Yeah, but if I was living in Los Angeles, I would assume I'd be successful enough that somebody could just drive me. Uh, <laughs> they've got Ubers there. It'd be fine. If not, I love San Francisco. I think that's oh, I love San Francisco. Very fun. Yeah. Uh, so, imagine we're living in a state mm-hmm. that's relevant. Like, California, for example, mm-hmm. voted this week mm-hmm. in the primary. Uh, who are you going to put your... I'm assuming you're going to be a registered Democrat. Sure, of course. So who are you going to put your cross in the box next to? This is, like, so hard, right? Because I think that I have I was, re- like, not personally, but, like, I was, like, badly burned by Bernie. In... Burn, Bernie, burn. Mm-hmm. Feel the burn. I felt the burn in 2016 because of Hillary's campaign. So I worked on Hillary's campaign in... Ohio I went out there and worked on their um, on in their digital team and like the the problem with like this system in America right is that on a national stage in front of you know the entire electorate they basically like go at each other's necks so all of the candidates rip each other to shreds in a way that just doesn't exist in the UK like we just don't have the drama like there's a little bit of like you know snippy like comments but there's just nothing like it and in the US it's brutal it's really brutal I worked on John Hudsman's um uh presidential campaign in 2012 he pulled out quite early this was when Mittens Romney won the Republican Mm. uh candidacy but i feel as though the primaries are just oppo research for the other side they are because all of these candidates find these horrible things out about each other in the debates they basically punch each other in the face verbally Mm -hmm. it's just a bit mean it's really but it's, it's also like if the entire kind of world stage basically now has like all of the candidates like 
you know just a just a history of all of their like mistakes all of their like all of their dealings every exactly as you say like it's just oppositional research it's just making sure that everyone knows how you can attack them and what is an effective attack it's just practice Mm -hmm. so that then when you put them up against a republican most of their own fucking party don't even like them you know and that's i think that is why the the race with hillary and bernie was so unpleasant because a lot of the nastiness in that and of course like yeah trump was just revolting like the 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 support that trump had like the supporters were revolting like the whole like lock her up and you know it was just sexist garbage but so much nastiness came from within their own camp it Mm. came from bernie supporters who were so embittered that hillary had got the candidacy and bernie hadn't and people who i i door knocked and people who opened the door and said yeah, I'm a Democrat, but I voted Bernie, so I'm not going to vote for Hillary. Wow. In the general election, almost like they thought genuinely that Hillary as president would be almost as bad or worse than Trump. And I just thought, where the fuck is your your head? Like, how on earth can you think that to be genuinely true? I just think you're being so churlish. And now you've, like, basically, like, you know, tanked the vote for the part of the country that genuinely needs a Democrat in the White House. So would you support... Uh, Biden? Well, no, because I also don't support Biden. Like my 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 bet was entirely not bet, but you know, my my heart was with Elizabeth Warren because she is she's got so much grace, she's got dignity, she's so smart, she's so competent. My God, she's competent, and she's got a really interesting, diverse supporter base. And like, I just love, I just I love her politics as well. So. I was really excited about Warren, but I was also very worried that if Warren got the nomination, there would be this, like... Because it's really hard to beat an incumbent, right? It's really hard to beat someone who's already been in the White House for four years. Jimmy Carter got beaten by um, Clinton. No, sorry, by George Bush. George Bush got beaten by Clinton. So they were just one-term... Um, doodles, that is true. Presidents. That is true. But like at the moment, the economy in the Amer- in America is good. You know, like other things are like on Trump's side. Basically, like the economy is in a decent place. I think employment is looking good. Like it's not as though his term has been economically disastrous. Like an impeachment and mm. so many political scandals, so much failure, and like inability to actually govern sure but like economically i think the country is in like an okay space at the moment which means that people aren't going to necessarily have that like urgency to kick him out trump is similar to boris in that respect in that those aspects of their leadership is just ignored i don't know how they've done it i don't know what because they own it they don't care they're not ashamed by it they're just like and but like how yeah how can that be like a lesser known political scandal for other people would end them but like trump during that election like it came out that he'd molested a woman like he said openly admitted it and no one no one said like i'm not no one said a lot of people said a lot of things but as in it didn't change people's votes and that is like i mean that's deeply disturbing and troubling but the reason just to go back the reason i am really like were well were i was worried about elizabeth warren winning the nomination was because 
it's really hard to be an incumbent, right? If Trump then wins again, which he's likely to do, and it was Elizabeth Warren that was up against him, people could so easily be like, well, see, we tried with Hillary, we tried with Elizabeth, we can't have a woman candidate. Like They're just ineffective, nobody it's likes not gonna, Like, let's yeah. not make the same mistake again. And I would, I would really worry that people would be so fucking stupid as to think that the reason there was gender as opposed to the reason being, like... Trump. There's so many factors in why elections are won and lost. I will be supporting Biden moving forward. Um, No particular reason other than I'm really not that keen on Bernie Sanders. Mm. I I don't like Bernie particularly. I think most of his politics are decent and like broadly align with with where I'm at. I really, really, really don't like what he did to Hillary in 2016. Mm. And I don't like a lot of his supporter base, which is like very vicious and really reminds me of the kind of cult of Corbyn that we have here where people are so blindly loyal to him that they are very nasty they're spiteful they won't vote for like you know it's the same here like people who wouldn't vote Labour unless it was Jeremy Corbyn being the leader or they're Labour members but only because Jeremy's the leader it's like if you're a member of a party if you're a supporter of a party like you have to accept that the leadership won't always be your number one You've person. signed up to the core principles. You've not signed up to the individual. Yeah, the character. Come on. But I think that's why, in some ways, the Tory party lost supporters post-Cameron. Because a lot of people signed up to support the party because of Cameron and his modernity. So when he steps away from being leader, mm. people are a bit like, oh, hang on a second. I like that man with the huskies. who I don't care about this woman so it it can be quite difficult when there's personality politics involved it is quite weird that whoever gets the nomination whether it be Biden or Bernie Mm. every single candidate running for president will be an old age pensioner yeah they're all so elderly I can't I mean Bernie's oldest I think he's 78 and I think Biden is 76 or 77 and Warren was 70 bang on 70 and in 2016 um, Hillary and Trump were the same age they were both 69 if memory serves so Trump is the youngest out of the three of them then no, because Warren's 17 now. No, but she's not in the race oh, yeah, anymore. Sorry, she's yeah. out. Ignore, ignore Warren. Yeah. Because it's going to either be Biden or it's going to be Bernie. Yeah. I just like, I can't, I, I mean, it's such an uncomfortable position to be in because I don't like Joe Biden's, I loved Joe Biden when he was vice. I thought Joe Biden was a, like a fine vice. And well, now there are his some own fine candidacy. memes of him and Barack Obama. I know. Oh, that's so funny. As a pair, I thought they were like a good team, but like, no, Joe Biden doesn't, I don't, like, I mean, he's a liar, like, he is odd, he says weird shit. Do you remember when he said, or do you remember, it was recently, he said that he was, like, in cars, he sort of pretended like he'd been in prison. What? Yeah, like, Google it, it's a mad story. It was a complete fabrication. Like, he just says stuff. Like, he is, a, he's a massive fibber. It is terrible, though, that the Democratic Party have had uh, four years to rebuild and recover mm-hmm. and to find the next generation. And I felt they were finding the next generation with people like Pete Buttigieg. Now, perhaps Pete Buttigieg is too young and not politically experienced enough. He has only been the mayor of South Bend, which <laughs> my guess is probably about the size of, I don't know, Manchester or something, maybe even smaller than that. Mm-hmm. So it is quite elite, but that is still more political experience than Donald Trump. 
<laughs> so yeah, you know true. like when you put it into perspective but he I felt he was a breath of fresh air and brought something different it's a shame there isn't mm. somebody else because remember when Bill Clinton came he'd just been the governor of Arkansas which is actually quite a small it's state tiny. with you know very little influence and he was seen as this breath of fresh air mm. when Barack Obama came he was yeah. a first time senator same again yeah so I felt that you know he could have ridden on that wave but he at 38 perhaps he was a little bit too young but I think as well Pete Buttigieg is not where the Democrats are at it's like he's really centrist I mean he could be in the Republican Party because remember in, in the <laughs> US the distance between the Democrats and the Republicans is tiny they're so it, like if you're not super familiar it's like imagine if you look at our kind of center left and right kind of spectrum in the uk where you've got like the lib dems who sort of flip-flop all over the place but largely sits somewhere in the middle labor who's like sort of center but to the left and tories who are centered to the right it's like the whole stage that the americans are operating on is like center right and foot way beyond our most rights it's like the whole thing is skewed mm. like their equivalent of labor is the, is the democrat democratic party and other than bernie sanders and elizabeth warren they do not have what i would consider left wing leadership i've spent quite a bit of time in the states with the republican party because they're the sister party of the conservative party and there'd be times people would say things and i'd just be like oh my word like how is this relevant to anything? And can you imagine going to a political meeting and someone bringing up abortion? In the I mean, UK. In the UK. I can imagine that. But, like, I know that, yeah, like, it, hopefully in left circles, anyway, in Labour circles, like, common sense would prevail and people would be like, shut the fuck up. I, I, I honestly cannot think of a situation where that would come up in a British political meeting that I would go to. Because mm. I think we would just be like, shh. Like, that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are you going on about? That is not an issue. Thank God it's not an issue, but... Yeah, it's a debate that we don't necessarily have to have in... Well, in England, Wales, Scotland. But in Northern Ireland, Mm -hmm. it is. Exactly. But I think that the, like... The, the worry that I had about Warren was that, yeah, people would, like, say, oh, well, that means that if she can't do it, then we need to, like, go back to having some, like, young, upstart, ma- you know, man do it because, like, he'll be more capable. So I'm, in a weird way, kind of glad that she won't necessarily get tarred with that kind of, like, l- you know, lesson, I say in air quotes, lesson learnt. Therefore, I've kind of got this like grim fascination with Bernie getting the nomination because if Bernie wins, maybe that would be like a way to kind of like stretch the left to see if it's got any fucking legs in the US. No, it doesn't. Well, let's find out. Yeah, I mean, I guess Donald Trump is going to win no matter what. So you may as well prove to the Democrats you've got to move forward. You've got to move more to the centre. Yeah, but then by the same token, right, and I know I've just set this argument up myself, but by the same token, if I'm saying that Elizabeth Warren losing doesn't mean that it's not women, couldn't you then say, well, Bernie Sanders losing doesn't mean it's the left? Hmm, I see your point. Do you know what I mean? I see your point, but I would be inclined to say, yes, it is him. He is is the fine example of that. I'm pleased I'm not American. I feel mm. sorry for Americans. They have elections all the bloody time. It must be so annoying that you've got to vote for your, I don't know, street cleaner. You know, they just seem to elect absolutely everything. Your lollipop lady, whatever. It must be draining. They mm. almost want this election to be over. 
And also they must want to know as to what the time scale is of Trump. And it's have they got until January or have they got until, you know, January 2025? So I think it's really hard to be an incumbent at the best of times. I think at this stage, being an incumbent is going to be nine impossible because... One, it's Trump, and he is just Teflon. Things don't stick to him. He is so incredibly... It's that tan. It's that fake tan. That's why things don't stick. God, he makes me want to vomit. But he's just so good at, like, shaking off hideous stories are about, about him. His impeachment has not even dented... You know, they shouldn't have impeached him. It was such a stupid thing to impeach him. He, it was never, ever going to get through the Senate. It was really foolish. All it did was guaranteed him even more airtime on all of the channels, on in all of the newspapers... But I think the I think people kind of knew that the impeachment wouldn't necessarily actually like take you know t- take his throne away from him kind of thing so to speak. But I thought rationale was you know we need to actually like scrutinise and like have him face justice. No, that might have been their aim, but I felt it was very foolhardy. I just didn't see the point of it, and I think he almost wore that impeachment like a badge of honour. Well, this is the thing: he doesn't have any. He has no shame. So like. If if the you know if the if the candidate is Trump and he is so weirdly unbeatable, then I think it is a really sad and difficult time for the Democrats because whatever happens, their party is in dire straits. Like they're just like Labour. They are so like Labour. They're so factionally split. They've got hardcore left who are kind of Bernie or die, like Bernie or nothing kind of people. And then they've got lots and lots of like moderates and centrists, people who really like Joe Biden, people who like Pete Buttigieg, Pete, you know, people who kind of have like been split, I guess, by the candidates who were up for president. And then a lot of people who are like, for fuck's sake, why can't we just hurry up and elect a goddamn woman? Like, this is getting yeah. this is getting annoying now. It is crazy they've not had a woman. I just, I mean, a woman president, yeah. I, I guess like my worry about biden getting the nomination is that we then don't actually move on from the argument about people like bernie sanders like we don't get a kind of like comprehensive trial so in some ways their 2020 election is like the 2019 election the corbyn experiment didn't work (laughs) (laughs) ergo let's vote for keir starmer (laughs) Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. We just, I mean, we we just, the same thing has just happened to us, right? Like, we stretched Corbyn's electoral possibilities to the absolute limit in 2017. And we couldn't make it work. And then in 2019, we got our asses handed to us, as kind of we all thought would happen. Meanwhile, the kind of hardcore Jeremy lovers were like, it's a stitch up, it's the mainstream media, it's this, it's that. And it's like, maybe at this point we accept that Jeremy's a really sodding awful candidate and move on. I don't know, just an idea. But like, we, we've we just been through this. America aren't like looking over the pond and seeing what's happened to us no. and therefore learning that lesson. I think people were like, yeah, Bernie or bust. In which case, fuck it. Why don't, why doesn't Bernie get the, get the nomination? Let's stretch his electoral possibilities to the absolute point. I think the really funny thing is though, is that like people don't learn from history, which is they imagine that to win, that Bernie winning will be about literally millions of people who don't vote turning out to vote for the first time. It's not going to happen. 
And it's like, you know the thing that people Although who don't Although if Bernie was know, on TikTok, maybe. If he does the TikTok <laughs> dance, that's what if he it does was. the renegade, then he'll get that's it. That's what it was. <laughs> you know the thing about, like, not v- non-voters that kind of, like, brings them together because they come from all demographics? The one thing they have in common um, and the one thing consistent about them is that they don't fucking vote. It's like... In every election since time immemorial, there was always a group of 20%, 25%, 30% people who didn't vote. The people change, sure, but there's still that block. Like, we are not suddenly going to turn out 90% of the goddamn electorate no, and Bernie gonna Sanders happen. is going to walk into number uh, number 10. <laughs> oh my God, that would be a real turn <laughs> for the books. Well, I guess watching Brief for a period of time, the US election, we're not going to put too much energy into it, mainly because we're not going to America well, I am. Oh, what are you? When are you going to? <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely go. Come yeah, but on. we're not going together unless somebody oh, wants to take us there, in which case we happily will Sponsorship, go. Sponsorship, baby. Yeah, we're, we're happy to take freebies. Hashtag ad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about like our sadness about our candidates being knocked out of the election. I guess we should talk about some nice things, some good things, which of course our highlight of our week, which is looking across the aisle mm-hmm. to see who's done some nice things. Shout uh, out to my ex. So let's start with you, Chloe. Who are you going to give a little shout out to? I am going to give a shout out to um, Tory minister and baroness mm-hmm. um, Liz Sugg. Uh, she's not an MP. She's a baroness. She's a that means she's in the House of Lords, and she is or she's just been made today the UK. Excuse me. Oh, I had a I had a little beer, and now I've got a hiccup. How embarrassing! <laughs> you caught me out. Um, oops. Yeah, the uh, the UK's first ever special envoy for girls' education, which means that she is going to be working with DFID, the Department for International Development, basically championing international girls' education. And that's the first time we've ever had that role in government, and I think it's a really important one, and I'm glad that the Tories have done that. And I think she'll probably do it quite well. She will do it well, because she's been a minister now for quite a few years she was a minister in the department for transport she had to look after the aeroplanes when uh, there was the uh, drones at Gatwick so she really? she had a great Christmas that year <laughs> uh, and then she got moved into DFID and has been doing international development as DFID stands for the department for the international development so I think this is a great thing it's something she's very interested in uh, I think she'll do very well I yeah. think she'll make things happen yeah no it's good it's good well staying on the theme of women um the theme honestly that's not a theme women are a theme (laughs) women are a genre the reason i say theme is because it's international women's day on sunday although as i said to you earlier it's international women's day every day on this podcast thank you very much uh is today um jess phillips stood up in parliament and read out and she has done this previously read out the names of all the women who have been murdered in domestic abuse cases in the last 12 months Mm -hmm. and it's kind of Jess Phillips's way who's a Labour MP of highlighting how so much work still needs to be done Mm -hmm. to protect vulnerable women um, who unfortunately are in a situation they can't get out of and I know that she used to work in charities relating to domestic abuse so it's obviously something that means a lot to her Mm. and I think to be able to use her position of influence and power Mm. in such a way that gives these women who sadly are no longer with us a kind of a... a, 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 Well, I just think in some ways having them mentioned in Hansard is important. 100%. They've been put on a record. Yeah, they are of note now. You know, they are in our historical records forever and I think that's really important. And I know that um, 
just also a little shout out uh, to people on my side. I know that a new domestic abuse bill is being put to Parliament this week by Alex Chalk, who is the MP for Cheltenham, uh, and another MP who I'm really sorry, I can't remember the name of. But I know mm. that there's been lots of work done by a great um, campaign group. And if you aren't following on Twitter, you should, uh, called We Can't Consent. And it's basically about uh, aggressive sex and how people are using... Um, aggressive sex as a defence when they've managed to basically kill someone oh, saying Jesus. oh she she said she wanted to be strangled she said she wanted to be hit well actually you can't consent to being murdered wow yeah that's incredible important work so yeah so if you're not following them find them on twitter they're a very good campaign and we should be supporting it because yeah just because you might like rough sex doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're consenting having mm-hmm. your life taken from you so yeah little little extra shout out to people on this side as well you got a little you got a little shout out for a tory in there you managed it sarah <laughs> honestly <laughs> gotta get it when they have well uh i think we'll both be doing nice things for international women's day of course yeah i'm gonna be with a big, big group of gal pals good good uh, i normally like to go past the emily pankhurst statue by parliament that's nice that's my thing say hello to her i'll have a good day i will do well i'll see you next week yeah see you next week you and all of our all of our listeners (laughs) see you then bye bye